Welcome back to the Norway Noise Podcast. Welcome to Wednesday, February 8th. We got another brand new episode for you. A lot of good content um, from the weekend. <clears throat> um, so yeah, a lot of great games. Uh, lots to talk about from the kind of Saturday slate. Um, you know, as well as some early week stuff here. Um, and of course, some great Xavier results over the past week. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about here. Um, but first of all, I'll turn over to my partner, Graham Griffith, check in on him, make sure everything's going well across the table. Um, any big, uh, big takeaways as of right now at this point in the season? Uh, no, I mean, I've just starting to set in that we're about a month away, uh, from best, uh, American sporting event ever. Yeah. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier about how it's just so refreshing to watch a game and you hear like oh this is a team that's first four in or first four out you know right. uh, these conference games um, you know are just going to start having a lot more uh, stakes involved and it's going to be a really refreshing um, to know that March Madness is around the corner couldn't agree more It's it's and I, and I don't know about you Graham but I mean I think for me at least you know I feel like this season has just absolutely flown by. And I know we say that every year, um, but it really has just, I mean, I feel like we, you know, just kind of got tipped off and got into the, you know, I feel like we just played Kentucky Wesleyan like three weeks ago, you know, and here we are and it's almost mid February now. Um, and, and really starting to get down the stretch of the season. So a lot of good stuff. Um, a lot of good results coming up. Um, that we got to talk through and a lot of great games ahead uh, just for basketball as a whole and of course with March around the corner who couldn't be excited so first of all we'll get started on Saturday um, pretty good slate on Saturday uh, it'll be Saturday February 4th for those following along at home uh, start off early Kansas and Iowa State good noon tip there um, Kansas uh, did, did not look themselves Iowa State won 68 to 53 um, Jalen Wilson, 26 points for the Hawks, and really nothing else outside of that. Notable for Kansas, Iowa State really handled their business, though. That kind of extended 1-3-1 that we've been seeing them play a lot this year um, seemed to work really well against the Jayhawks. Uh, and so a great win for them, really took care of business, and that final score for Kansas was the lowest amount of points they scored under Bill Self in any game. And that, that was unbelievable to me. Um, so it just shows how great defensively, um, Iowa State was and how poor offensively Kansas was. Um, don't think it's anything to freak out about for Kansas fans, but it was definitely a, a really difficult loss there. 
UConn took care of business beating Georgetown, even though it was close on the stretch. Baylor also took care of business beating Texas <coughs> Tech. Number six, Virginia had to go on the road to the rivals down in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech, 74-68. I don't think really a huge surprise there. I mean, I think, you know, anytime you've got an in-state rivalry game, you're on the road, um, and, you know, typically the underdog, you know, seems to fare well in a lot of those cases, especially in, a, you know, a college basketball setting. So no real surprise for me. I think Virginia Tech's a, a pretty solid uh, tournament team right now. They're kind of – kind of on the outside looking in but they're right around that bubble talk they're 14 and 9 um but just picked up a huge win against virginia uh so interested to see where that goes from there tennessee auburn i i don't know was it you that said it or i can't remember who said it um someone told me they thought it looked like a halftime score at the final score was that you graham yeah um 46 43 it was utterly unwatchable like, literally <laughs> like i was i had nothing going on we were just hanging out um it was right before the xavier game started uh, and we were sitting there kind of in the stands waiting for the game, and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll flip this on. And I watched it for like five minutes, and I was like, I, I can't I can't watch it. I mean, it was so hard to watch. Um, so a tough one there. Um, Marquette beat Butler at home. Oklahoma State got a big win for their tournament resume. They're sneaking towards that bubble as well, 14-9 and nine as well. Um, 79-73 over the Horned Frogs. Uh, Horned Frogs were without um, Mike Miles. And Eddie Lampkin, so basically their two best players. So definitely a tough spot for them. Um, but Oklahoma State, you know, did what they needed to do and took care of business there. Uh, got a got a big win. Miami went on the road to Clemson. Um, I think kind of deflated the Clemson hype bubble a little bit. Um, seventy eight seventy four Goodman for Miami and kind of knocked Clemson down a little bit. I don't think they're you know completely out <coughs> that they're still in a tie for first place in the ACC. Um, I think they can respond just fine. But a good win there for the Hurricanes. Alabama rolled LSU. FAU took care of business with Charlotte, um, responding from that midweek loss there. Texas, great road win against Kansas State, 69-66. Um, they, that was what they needed. Rodney Terry, that was like almost like he really proved it um, on Saturday, saying, hey, yeah, I'm here. We can do this. We can win tough games on the road. Really good to see that for the Longhorns. They did really well um, to win that game. They're down 11 at halftime. They outscored the Wildcats 44-30 to in the second half. Great second half from Texas there. Good to see those halftime adjustments working. Um, and then Indiana, kind of, I think, the banner game of the weekend. One of the best rivalries in college basketball, I'd say. I mean, you can, I think it's in the conversation of, you know, the Duke UNC's, um, you know, the Syracuse Georgetown's back in the heyday, you know, things like that, things of that nature. I love Indiana-Purdue. I think it's two of the best venues in college basketball um, with Mackey and Assembly, respectively. So it's just always an awesome series, but especially when they're both playing so well right now. Um, Indiana came out and played with the intensity that they needed to. Um, Purdue did make it close in the second half, um, but a really great win for the Hoosiers, 79-74. They get the win at home. Xavier uh, really took care of business, and we'll get to them later, uh, but just absolutely rolled St. John's. St. John's obviously coming in with some unfortunate circumstances with some travel issues, um, but a good win for Xavier there. And then the nightcap did not disappoint. Aiden Mahaney, if he is not a household name yet, make him one. If you haven't told your mothers, your fathers, your brothers, your sisters, tell everybody about Aiden Mahaney. I cannot wait to see what this kid does in March. He's a March-type player. I can just tell. He was unbelievable. He had two points before the final six minutes of that game against Gonzaga. Finished the game with 16 more from the six-minute mark in the second half on. Great win. Uh, four St. Mary's. They were favored, and I think they were, you know, kind of one as they were supposed to. They, they outscored the Zags seventeen to nine in overtime um, to win seventy eight to seventy. 
So a really good win there uh, for St. Mary's and just really, you know, happy to see their program uh, succeeding, you know, at, at a high level like that. So, all right, there's the thoughts from the weekend. Um, Graham, kind of touch on what you'd like. Um, I think there's definitely some good highlights there, uh, but feel free to take it where you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> um, first of all, uh, the Indiana-Purdue game um, has kind of become what it you know it used to be. Sure. Um, we talk about this all the time, that when Indiana is good, it's just better for the sport. Yep. Um, and, you know, they had a little bit of a tough stretch due to some injuries and dropping some close games that now I feel like Indiana has started to come back to what they were at the start of the year. Um, and Trace Jackson Davis is kind of, you know, cementing himself as one of the best players in college basketball again. Um, I think Indiana is poised for a great run in the tournament if they just kind of find their, like, position in all of this. Because um, they have all the talent in the world. They have a great coach, and they definitely have an amazing fan base behind them. Um, I think a big win over Purdue, giving Purdue its first loss of what feels like forever, um, really really is a testament to how good this Indiana team can be. Um, moving on, uh, down to you know, Kansas, Iowa State. Iowa State, I think, is a really, really good team. Uh, tonight, as we record this, they just dropped a really close one at, in Morgantown to West Virginia. Um, but I don't think that that takes anything away from how good this win was for Iowa State. Um, they just really give you a lot of different styles of play um, that I think is unique to them in the Big 12. Um, between their one three one zone... Um, the pace that they could play with and how they could also slow it down. I think uh, Osselberg has proven to be one of the better coaches um, in the Big 12, and that's saying something ever, however many all-time greats there are in this conference. For sure. I think if you're Iowa State, I mean, I think you, you better look at locking him down this summer. Yeah, this, I think that um, we're kind of moving into a new generation of coaching. Uh, we saw Coach Cal gone. We've seen... You know these rumors about Bayheim and Coach, um, or I, I mean Coach K being done, yeah. Coach Cal and Bayheim being on the way out. Um, Williams and yeah, Wright retiring recently. Yeah, you know, I yeah. I think that there's been an usher in, um, and there's going to be a push for a lot of these guys to hopefully find a coach that could be there 20, 30, 40 years. For sure. And I, I think an Otzelberger type guy is yeah. could be on the move. And I think he's done an unbelievable job at Iowa State after that Fred Hoybier, uh explosion that they had for a little totally. bit. Totally. I mean, and this is what I've always, and kind of like how you're talking about, you know, when Indiana's good, it's good for the sport. As a Kansas <coughs> fan growing up watching Big 12 basketball, that was something that I, I had missed these last few years was when Iowa State was good, those George Niang teams, those Naz Long teams, I mean, it was so fun. Like, as much as I hated it being a Kansas fan, I loved you know, watching those games and, and the, those tough road environments. Hinkle's awesome. I think it's a completely underrated home arena. Um, and when they're good and when they're led with a with a good coaching staff, <coughs> I think uh, it's a lot, it can be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, um, moving on to uh, Miami. Um, I've talked about them a little bit last week and how I think that they could be a very solid team. Um, 
and make some noise in March. Uh, they get a big win on the road at Clemson. Um, we'll touch on this in a little bit, but they uh, ended up being Duke at home, winning they winning five out of their last six. Duke. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah, uh, Miami is a very, very good team. Um, and that road Clemson win uh, really set them up for, I think, the rest of the season, kind of controlling their own destiny. destiny destiny uh they're in fourth in the acc right now uh with plenty of winnable games uh, on the horizon for them uh and the last one uh oklahoma state um getting a big win over tcu uh oklahoma state has um has now five and five in the big 12 um sneaky and They've won their last three. Uh, they, they're playing Texas Tech right now. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, the Big 12 could very well send eight or nine teams yeah, this year. Um, for some reason, West Virginia is still riding their very good non-conference yeah. run. Um, all the metrics love them. I think they're still top 15 in the Housel metrics. And Ken Palm right now. Um, so they very well could make the tournament. Like TCU, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, and Texas are locks. But the way that Oklahoma State's been playing, they're 5-5 five and five in the Big 12 on the best the best conference in basketball. Can't forget Oklahoma just rolled Alabama too. Yeah, I, I might. I think Oklahoma and Texas Tech are pretty much done. But the fact that Oklahoma State is kind of b- building a little bit of a resume um, they're going to have some good opportunities. I mean, that's the best part about the Big 12 is that if you ever need a statement win, you just kind <laughs> of go get to the next game. <laughs> really? Because uh, they go uh, at Iowa State, they host Kansas, and then at TCU and at West Virginia. Um, <coughs> so or- Oklahoma State definitely has uh, the opportunity to piece something together, and I think that that would be so cool. Um, Especially it's, after the two years. Yeah, I I think um, that the way that they handled last year was so unbelievably horrendous um, and excessive. And I think it's even worse after what you've seen, um, what Arizona and I guess you could say Xavier, uh, what Memphis, what LSU what Kansas, Louisville. what Louisville has been handed in similar investigations, uh, it would be awesome for Oklahoma State to get to the tournament and then make a run um, after what many fans and what many um, analysts have said that was really unfair punishment uh, for those violations last year. Totally, and that's kind of what Mike Boynton said you know, multiple times is he's like, you know, lot you know, in press conferences, he has said like, "We made the worst mistake ever by complying, like by being honest and telling them what happened." And it was such a minor violation, um, but obviously that resulted in a two-year tournament ban because they admitted to it. So, um, really unfortunate to see that and, and to see, you know, that they that it was it was handled so poorly. But again, I you know I agree with you. Seeing them kind of be able to put something together would be. Obviously, great for the conference and and fun to see for you know a, a good storyline to have and and kind of just shove it in the NCAA's face a little bit. That always that's always fun. So, 
All right, Monday, February 6th. Um, great big Monday slate. We had Duke at Miami, um, and then we had Texas at Kansas. They were in the fog on Monday night. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, great Monday night slate. Uh, the, both games were awesome. Um, I, you know, Miami obviously rolled Duke. Uh, oh, we can't forget <coughs> to mention, too, Duke beat North Carolina on Saturday. Totally off everybody's radar because neither team's ranked. Um, Duke's probably a safe tournament team. We'll talk North Carolina later. We got a little North Carolina-Kentucky talk uh, coming up because we feel like we haven't talked about them all year because they've kind of been irrelevant, um, at least to the greater scheme of you know the top teams in basketball. But anyways, uh, Miami rolled Duke. Um, and just a lot of highlight plays, you know, high flying, kind of fun, bring the basketball to watch there. And then the Kansas Texas game was phenomenal. It was, it was pretty close the whole way, but very you know, favorable for Kansas. Finally, 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 for the Jayhawks, they got what they needed. Jalen Wilson to have an off night essentially is is what they got. So the ball was moving. Um, five guys in double figures. One of them off the bench, and Joe Yes a few. And really, while all the other starters had double figures, and that was awesome. You know. KJ, Fuller, um, Grady Dick, and Dewan Harris all had double figures. What I loved to see was Joey Esfio coming off the bench and MJ Rice putting great minutes off the bench. Ernest Uday putting great minutes off the bench. Finally getting to see a little bit more of that Kansas team and that they can step up when needed. That was awesome. I think that's something that it's so weird because, you know, I feel like we say this every year, like, oh, well, if this version of this team shows up, then they can really win a lot of games, you know. But I have never, at least not in my recent memory, have never seen two polar opposites of a team. I mean, one of the worst Kansas basketball performances, you know, I've seen in a while on Saturday at Iowa State. Like, it just was never (coughs) close, didn't score at all, turned the ball over. I think they had 18 turnovers. You know, just it didn't, it was, it looked awful. And then you turn around on Monday and you play one of the best games of your season and your best player in All-American almost lock, like barely scores, you know. So it's it was really interesting to see kind of that flip. Um, and I know we, you know, talk about, you know, well, this this time, if this team shows up, you know, whatever, um, they can win a lot of games, that kind of thing. But truly, like, <coughs> if you get that, if, if that gives enough confidence for those guys to continue to produce that way outside of just Jalen Wilson, I think the, the Jayhawks can, can respond and be in a good spot. But again, like we were just talking about the Big 12, every game is going to be a tough one. So they got to go to Norman on Saturday, play at Oklahoma, um, and then at Oklahoma State, like we were saying. So a little bit of a you know lighter stretch. But again, like we were saying, like both like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are going to be favored in both those games. So, All right, getting over to Tuesday. UConn, every Xavier fan's favorite result of Tuesday night was UConn. Absolutely rolling Marquette in the XL Center. 87-72, great one for the Huskies. Put Xavier uh, solo atop the Big East. Indiana, 66-60 over Rutgers. Kind of really, really, you know, taking hold of second place in the Big Ten there um, between those two teams, kind of fighting for it. Uh, good on Indiana. Good win. And definitely kind of locks them into second place there. Virginia handled NC State pretty well, 63-50. I thought Wolfpack might give them a little bit more of a run. But Virginia looked very solid there, especially early. They got to a, a hot start and a, and a good lead early. Um, and then again, TCU still injured, uh, but they had to go on the road to Kansas State and got absolutely rolled. 82-61, Kansas State wins. Good, good response win after the ro- after the loss on the road, or excuse me, loss over the weekend to Texas. <coughs> um, Drum tanks got things settled there, and I think K State is still going to be just fine. 
And then tonight, a um, couple ones worth noting. Obviously, like we mentioned earlier, West Virginia, great win again to get kind of into that bubble talk, 76-71 over Iowa State. Um, and then Vandy was awesome. Like, missed the missed it live, but glad we got to see the clips of it. Buzzer beater, stormed the court. They beat number six Tennessee, 66-65 at the buzzer. Love that. Like, that's it's upon us. March is here. Like, that makes me feel like, all right, it's it's happening. So, very happy to see that. Um, they get a great win. Creighton really pulled away from <coughs> Seton Hall. Good win for them, 75-62. We got San Diego State and Utah State just tipped off in a key Mountain West matchup. Florida's, uh, excuse me, Alabama's rolling Florida. They're up 30 points on them. Holy cow. Um, and Baylor is up right now on Oklahoma. We'll see how that one ends up. But yeah, overall, that's kind of the midweek stuff. So, uh, Grant, feel free to take it in any direction you want. But I think I do want to kind of angle you in here because, I mean, I think Florida's a solid team. And Alabama was just rolling them. Is Alabama, like, one of the best teams in the country? Like, if Alabama plays Purdue on a neutral tomorrow, you know, who do you got? Um, well, that, that would be a very interesting game because I feel like it's like two completely different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, it's different play styles for sure. <coughs> um, Alabama's more so quantity and Purdue's definitely more quality. For sure. Like, I genuinely don't know like if Alabama would be able to like contain Edie to under thirty and fifteen. Like I think he might roll out of bed and have a double double. Um, but at the same time, like I don't think Purdue has like the defensive capability to keep up with like their guard play and like their like freelance offense. Um I'm a huge Alabama guy. Uh I think Nate Oates is the real deal. Nate Oates is awesome. And not to say that you aren't like thinking like like you just said, like Nate Oates is awesome, but you're definitely like in like the painter camp and thinking he's, you know, great and same thing with me. Like I yeah. don't discredit him, but I've definitely been an Alabama fan for a while and casual, um, just liking the way that they play. Last year, I was super high on them. I, they may have been in my Final Four. I don't know. I can never, <laughs> I can never remember. No, no, no. Um, but they're beating the brakes off, to quote Evan Shibble. Uh Florida, <laughs> and like, Florida's a pretty solid team. Like they beat Tennessee last week. Right. Like they uh, like now. Have they had a lot of ups and downs for sure? But like Florida, like they won a couple more games. They yeah, but it isn't like tournament. it isn't like it's Louisville. Like they're beating like exactly. a really good team. Yeah, they're, um, they're not playing. They're not playing Vandy. Which, but I mean, then again, <laughs> you yeah. know, who knows? Uh, I think that Ole Miss. We'll go Alabama is a very, very good team, um, and I think Nate Oates has done an exceptional job because last year, like they would have games where. Shackelford, uh, Quinley, um, and Davison would like shoot like a combined like four of eighteen, and they lose by twenty. But this year, I feel like they can have bad games individually, and they're just a more sound, more complete team. Completely agree. They've had better wins. They're ten and zero in their conference. It's very well going to be eleven and zero, unless Florida. Mounts this thirty Unless point. Colin Castleton just <laughs> scores. 40. Yeah, Kyle Lofton uses his eighteenth year of eligibility <laughs> to bring him back down thirty at half. Well, and here's my thing with Alabama too. I think, and I agree with you, especially compared to last year. Like, they, can, yeah, I mean, is unbelievable 
Like, his last year was very much like, oh, Alabama's just going to shoot 43s and they can score with anybody, but they can't play any defense. Like, legitimately, like, they're holding a good Florida team to 23 points in the first half while also scoring 52. Um, a lot of points off turnovers, very fast pace. And I agree. Like, you know, we you know, you kind of mentioned this, but we're both very much in the in the Painter camp and in the and in the Nate Oates camp. We both love these guys. Um, especially Kent, like we were talking about with the new wave of coaches. Like, there's a lot of guys that I, I would love to see do really well. I, I'd be very happy for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I do agree. I think Alabama would be a really hard matchup for just about anybody in the country. Houston might be the one that's a little more comparable, um, at least in play style. But it'd definitely be a fun matchup to see. So, any other takeaways from kind of early in the week? Um, just, just to add uh, on – um, to Indiana, really, I think that there's been a significant resurgence, uh, getting a big win against Rutgers. I think Rutgers is the third best team, um, in the Big Ten right now. And you know, to defend home court twice in one week, um, uh, that's really exceptional. Um, and also to add on. Uh, that Virginia, you know, we got to watch a little bit of that game, and Virginia has a very deep, sound team. I think that um, Tony Bennett has definitely retooled some of his structure to <coughs> um, find a way to get a really, really good team. I don't know if Virginia is kind of like a Final Four team. I, I really feel like you always have to have, like, a guy, and I just don't know if Virginia um, has, like, take over like um qualities like even on like their really good teams while they were like well-rounded like Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter like they took turns being like one of the best players in college basketball Mm -hmm. um I I don't know if Virginia has that this year but I think that they've done an amazing job this year um I'll eat my words I definitely said that they weren't as good as I (laughs) as many people thought at the start of the year I was high on Miami in North Carolina. Now, I'm still riding the Miami train. Uh, North Carolina, hashtag redacted. But Virginia's done very well. Um, but with that being said, I feel like this is a good time to kind of segue into uh, what we've we've been kind of mulling over the past couple of days is this North Carolina-Kentucky <coughs> explosion <laughs> situation where mean. you have two highly coveted uh, brands that – not only do they have like the stature and media and presence, but they had unreal amounts of hype leading yeah. into the season, Kentucky especially North Carolina. Yeah, I mean Kentucky was preseason Ken Palm number one, and North Carolina was preseason AP number one. And yeah, I mean they're both right now like hanging out on the bubble. And um, shout out bracketologist.com. Love this website. They do great work. Um, right now the current NCAA tournament cutoff right after the 48 number North Carolina's 45 Kentucky's 41 according to their projections again it's they're right around you know they're hanging out with Missouri Virginia Tech USC Pitt you know teams of that nature Pitt it kind of surprises me they're tied for first in the ACC <laughs> I mean rough off season or rough non-con but Seton Hall's down there you know but point <coughs> like, it is just unbelievable to me that between these two programs that have played a combined 17, um, wait, is that right? 
Yep, yep, 17. Uh, a combined 17 quad one games between the two programs. They're 2-15. and 15. That's unbelievable. Kentucky 1-7, North Carolina 1-8. I think they both have tough roads. Um, and I don't know where you're at, Graham, on, on where you think they're they're at, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of them missed the tournament. I'm probably lower on Kentucky, <coughs> I think, because they have that quad four loss um, that is really going to hurt them. Um, that loss to South Carolina, I mean, South Carolina is bad, um, and it was at home as well. And I think they have a tougher road. Um, they got to play at Georgia, which should be a win, but could get hairy. It's a quad two game. And then you got three quad ones in a row. You're at Mississippi State, which Mississippi State has shown they can beat good teams this year. Um, Tennessee, and then at Florida, Tennessee will be looking for revenge. Um, at Florida, again, like we were just saying, tough game. Then you got Auburn um, at home, and then you're home against Vanderbilt, and then you're at Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, you got seven games left, and I think you got to go probably <coughs> three and four. I think you got to beat Georgia and Vandy, and then you got to pick off one of those other ones. Um, but yeah, just a tough road left for Kentucky. North Carolina, on the other hand, one and eight in quad one, uh, three and oh, and six and oh, quad three and quad four. They do have a quad two loss, um, that coming against Pittsburgh, but again, Pitt. Kind of I, I think they'll improve. I think that might get up to a quad one. Uh, but their road left. They got Clemson, Miami, and then at NC State, at Notre Dame, Virginia, at Florida State, Duke. Um, I think North Carolina has a little bit easier road. I think the ACC is worse. Obviously, those two Notre Dame, Florida State games should be absolute wins. And I think you got to win, um, you know, one of the four home games there. So Clemson, Miami, Virginia, and Duke. Again, I think you also got to go three and four there. Um, to still kind of be in that conversation. Um, but again, like we're saying, kind of like with the Big 12, both these teams play enough good games that, like, if, you know, if North Carolina wants to do exactly what they did last year, because we were having the same same conversation on the same podcast where I said last year, it was like early to mid-February, I said <coughs> North Carolina is not going to make the tournament. Lo and behold, they make the national title game. You know, like, so I, I think both these teams have the capabilities and the players and the athletes and the coaches, obviously, as we've seen before, to flip it, and they very well could. They could both. They could both be six seeds or five seeds. You know, they could both be single digit, like no doubt about it. You know, seeds and get in easily and get to the final four, win a few games. But at the same time, I just think that we've seen more issues with both of these sides, especially Kentucky. I think, um, you know, as the season's gone on than we have in the past. So, um, kind of with that, I'll, I'll turn over to you. Um, Graham and, and what your thoughts on the matter are but for me you know I, I would guess that probably one of these two teams isn't making it <coughs> and and my initial thoughts would be probably with Kentucky yeah I could very well see um, both of these teams making the tournament uh, because of the talent and coaching that they have um, Kentucky I feel more so has to they have to get some wins um, as they close out their season. North Carolina, I think, just has to go 500, kind of scrape together. Don't take any bad losses, but you also don't have to get these insane wins. Um, because I think North Carolina could put themselves in a position to be pretty high in the ACC, win a few games, 
Uh, you don't have to like win the tournament, but like just win a, a few, and they'll be fine. Sure. Um, Kentucky, I think, is a little bit more concerning, but at the same time, like I feel like Kentucky's kind of was starting to put it together a little bit. Um, and I don't think that all hope is lost for them at all. Um, like they, they lost a tough game to Kansas, which I don't think that they played a bad game at all. No, I agree. But and Kansas was in need of a win at that point too. Yeah. I mean, like Kansas has never lost four games in a row under Bill Self, like ever. So they, they were going in and winning that game. Um, but apart from that, they were on a very good tear of winning um, five of their seven, or no, six of their seven before uh, dropping that Kansas game. And then they lose a game to an Arkansas team, which is kind of in a similar position. Uh, Kentucky was in, like, really good team, um, trying to, you know, get some wins together. Um, and they, they just couldn't get it done. And I don't think that there's much cause for concern just because that they've done fine enough. Like, this is a for what Kentucky and North Carolina were supposed to be at the start of the year, what North Carolina and Kentucky are supposed to be in terms of their brand and their like downright aura, this season is a complete fail. Right. Regardless of what happens leading up to the tournament. Now, if you go to the tournament and you go to the Final Four, obviously it's not a failure. But in terms of where they are right now, they've completely um, squandered and great, excellent opportunity in front of them. But if you look at, like, even Kentucky now, like, sure, they lost um, by double digits to Missouri. Sure, they got, like, rinsed by Alabama, lost to South Carolina, and got outclassed by Arkansas at home. That's a tough loss at home. Like, but they they are still fifth in the SEC, and they still have um, plenty of home games left, um, including a Vanderbilt game, an Auburn game, Tennessee. They still have to play Georgia. They their away games left is Arkansas, which is a tough game, Mississippi State, and Florida. Like they could very well go four and three in that stretch. Yeah. Like and that's without like batting an eyelash. I could very well see this team going six and one. Like, I legitimately I think that Auburn has definitely fallen off the wagon. Arkansas yeah. isn't what they were supposed we're to, be. to be, and but, that's going mean, to be like the last NBA game of the year. Out. Yeah, um, Georgia's not good. Mississippi State has proven that that little fraudulent undefeated run wasn't all. What it was cracked up to be, hey, Vanderbilt. Don't, don't, don't say that to Drake fans. The, the Drake fans <laughs> listen to this podcast are they're clinging on to that that little Mississippi State yeah. run. Um, I mean, Vanderbilt has gotten some big wins, but they they are definitely beatable. And Tennessee is very good, but they already beat Tennessee. Right. Well, that's that's what's crazy to me. I, I think because the difference kind of between the two is like Kentucky's got kind of the worst. Lows, the lowest lows on this <coughs> on their resume, but they also have the highest highs. I mean, a, a winning at Tennessee is is really really tough, and not a lot of teams are going to do that this year. But then you look at North Carolina, don't have as bad of lows, but like we were talking about earlier, you know, off the pod, the best wins against Ohio State. Ohio State's second to last in the Big Ten. That's not a good team. 
Um, second best wins against at home against NC State. Um, you know, that's a I would almost say that's a better win. So definitely an interesting uh, setup, kind of in a couple storylines to kind of keep your eye on as the uh, as the season tracks down. Um, but yeah, those are those are two very significant brands that are kind of on that bubble um, that we got to keep an eye on. So. All righty. Well, of course, we'll wrap it with Musk's here minute. Um, big one coming up Friday. Xavier at Butler. Trap game? Graham, do you think? Absolutely not. Okay. They still haven't grown a pair. Uh, no. <laughs> I think that um, this week off is scary if you're a Butler fan for really? Xavier. Okay. Um, one of the biggest problems that Xavier's had all year is depth. And then when you lose Zach Fremantle, you got some guys playing some more minutes. Um, we don't really have to touch too a uh, crazy amount on the St. John's game, just yeah. because it was a complete out class. It, but to be fair, again, like we were talking about earlier, the really you know tough break for the Johnnies. Yeah, I mean that's a tough position to go into. You're obviously playing a more formidable team on the road, tough environment. You have all those travel problems. Uh, and, you know, you're batting, battling some injuries and whatnot. Soriano doesn't play in the second half. Like, Carrello you don't barely play. I mean, it was a weird, <coughs> weird deal second half. Um, and then, but I'm looking at my biggest takeaway uh, from this St. John's game is that only one uh, Xavier Musketeer played more than 30 minutes, and that's Jerome Hunter. Jerome Hunter? Who... Happens to be your, like, your glue guy. Like, he's giving you 100% effort every game. Also, by the way, Sintos absolutely lit up when he was starting on Saturday. Yeah. Like, they loved it. Yeah, that, that was amazing to hear. Um, so, no starter plays more than 30 minutes other than Jerome. And he's been your kind of, like, he's always got a full tank of gas type of guy. So, yeah. if there's a player that you'd want to play 30 minutes... It'd be him. him, yeah. Um, so to give those guys not a lot of minutes, then play, have a week off where, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, decompressing and kind of just focusing on what we do instead of always worried about what the other team is, if you're right. you scouting and preparing for games. Um, <coughs> I think that Butler is in for a treat this Friday. Um and we I, had a good track record at Butler recently too. Yeah, uh, while they've had our uh, our number when it's in Madison Square Garden, uh, we've definitely had control over over the series and the regular season. season. Yeah. Um, and you know Butler Butler's record, I feel like does not do them justice. Forget they beat Kansas State non-con. I mean, yeah, granted that was before Kansas State really you know figured things out, of course, and it's still non-con, but. I mean, yeah, like, I, I think that they're a good team. I, I, would, I thought they were going to be sneaky this year. Them and St. John's both. Yeah, I, they have a very good backcourt in, um, you know, Eric Hunter and Chuck Harris are very, very good. Seamus uh, Lukosius has been one of the better players in the Big East. Um, He'll probably and then be you second have, team. Yeah, and you have a front court of Manny Bates, NC State guy, who's been very, very good for them this year. Um, and Ali Ali, Thadmata's kind of you know every game's kind of just meshing them more and more together. Like you never like should be comfortable playing 
this Butler team just because of the talent and the coaching. I mean, at any moment, they could just finally gel. Um, and it very well could be the Xavier game. I feel like the way that we've consistently played them in the tournament, a big, big East tournament, and that close proximity that you don't often get in the Big East because sure. of how spread out it is. It's, it's the closest thing we have to like a rivalry per se in yeah, the Big East. Yeah, so this this is a game with a lot of emotions, and I know Butler's going to bring their bring their game. Um, well, like we talked about earlier, especially you know when you're the best team <coughs> in a given conference, every team is going to give you their best because they want to beat you. Right, and while we are, you know, worried about like other games affecting each other to see if we could take sole possession of the Big East Conference. Um, you know, Butler's, you know, trying to scrape together wins to get a better seed in the tournament. Right. Um, you know, they're on that line of four wins with Villanova, St. John's, and themselves. Like, very well, you know, they get a win. Like, they could be moving up, like, three spots in one game. Right. Um, so this is going to be a very important game uh, for Xavier. Um but the big storyline next week is we go to at Marquette, <coughs> win or loss against Butler. That's going to be a very, very important game. Yeah. That could very well decide, um, you know, who gets the regular season title. Um, so, so what do you think? Looking at the schedule ahead, what's the record that you think wins Xavier the Big East regular season title? Uh, so seven games left. I think. Um, as long as the two losses, like, I don't know. Because I, I want to say 5-2. and two, That's, if you what, that's lose, probably what I would say, too. If you lose to Marquette and Providence, like, those are the losses that you can't have. Right. Um, In the standings, at least. So I'd say around 5-2, and 6-1. and one. Um, I don't think you have to win out. I think if you go 4-3, and three, you might have a chance, depending on how your cards fall. But I, I agree. 5-2, I, five, five I think, is about right. I would agree. I, I think... Going, you know, leaving with four losses in the Big East is, is probably going to win. T. We said it early in the season. I, I, I think I said five losses probably wins it. So yeah, I think we're they're in a good spot. The only other one really, and again, this is not to, you know, not highlight any of the other games because they're all tough games. Big East, we've seen that; it's proven. Um, but the other sneaky one for me is at Seton Hall. I, I, I really do think that Shaheen Hall has really got this team rolling now. Um, They've won seven of their last nine now with the win tonight. Uh, or no, they lost Crate, so that'd be uh, six of their last nine. Um, but still, that's a a pretty good stretch for a Seton Hall team that kind of early in the biggest was like, eh, maybe they're not that good. Um, they're really starting to get things rolling, so I think going to Prudential late <coughs> in the season might be a little bit concerning. But I agree. I think Butler, like, we're ready. Again, week off. You know, Andy Reid off a of bye week always goes well. I can, can only imagine how Sean Miller does off a of bye week. Um, so very excited to see that. And then, yeah, you got a tough one at Marquette. And I think, you know, we gotta we got to give them everything we got. But we've beaten good teams on the road this year already. Um, we've seen that with that UConn. We've seen that with that Villanova. Um, so definitely I, I'm very excited to see kind of what the rest of the regular season has to, has to uh, bring. But anywho, already we will wrap it there. Um, Wednesday, February 8th podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Myself, Evan Shibble, alongside Graham Griffith, as always. Um, good little mid- midweek action for you here. We'll have to kind of coordinate. I don't know if we want to go Tuesday, Thursday, maybe go early Wednesday. Um, but obviously with Marquette being in the middle of the week there, uh, we'll probably try and avoid that. Um, so we'll either go before or after. So just be, be staying you know, locked in on your streams, on your Spotify streams, 
um, or wherever you listen. Uh, but definitely be ready uh, to hop in on the pod. Middle of the week next week. Thank you all for listening as always. And we'll talk to you all very soon. Cheers.